choir, thank you very much for just enhancing or helping us focus on the Lord's presence. You know, the most excited person in this place to be here is God himself. (laughs) You know that? Isn't that amazing to think that we come in his presence? He gets excited about that. He gets excited about me coming into his... Oh, the Lord is honored by this today. Thank you, everybody. Well, um, we want to get right into it. We have communion still to share. Our kids are enjoying their pizza and their egg hunt, and and we got a full plate. And and hope you're ready to buckle in and, and have a great Easter time in God's Word with us in just a moment. And, and for today, you see the fingerprint in the universe, you know, the creation of God has the fingerprints of God on it. But God and, and God who created us sees our identity. The, the heavens see our unique identity. The heavens see my fingerprint that is like nobody else's. The fingerprint of God on my life. And, and many times when we're growing up as kids, we keep looking at the people we wish we were more like. Right. Peer pressure, we try to act like people so we can be accepted. And, and we're looking for an identity. And all the way along, heaven sees my identity and your identity. It's, it's the way he created you. It's the experiences that he's seen you through, even before you knew him. And if you don't know him today, he's watching you. And he knows what's shaping you, even the painful things and the, the things that aren't of him. But he sees the identity that he wants for you in the restoration and redemption of a relationship with Him. He wants you. Nothing has been done to you or you have done nothing that makes Him not want you. And Palm Sunday that we celebrated last, last week with Jesus riding into town and, and, and what He pursued in the cross that led up to Easter Sunday and the resurrection was Him answering this question right here. Christian band called The Who. You heard of them? My favorite TV show, too, by the way. Now, some of you just out there said, Boy, I could have done without that this morning. But some of you are like, yeah, the who? <laughs> I know you. <laughs> but many of us are asking that question. Who, who are you? And this week, this whole Passion Week, the, the whole ministry of Jesus, the whole Scripture, it, folks, the Bible is not something to be dreaded. The whole book is saying that you are a life worth saving. Don't let anybody tell you differently. Because what Jesus did was for you as much as it was for me. I encourage you, this is going to be a very different message. And I told you that this is packed today. And, and, but we have a very different thing I want to show you. Right, but I encourage you, get your note sheet. Get ready, the, the full 8.5 by 11 white paper in your bulletin. And while you're doing that, I just want to say that, you know, Amy showed me that not everyone on this list is dead. Uh, so, you know, like, my, my kids have not died. Don't, don't come up afterwards thinking, oh, my goodness, James and Amy lost their children. There's, there's the top section is in honor of living folks. And so it's not all memorial. Just thought I'd let you know my kids are still alive and well and enjoying pizza and eggs. All right. Um, Forget that note sheet on the back, even though our community groups are on their break and they're starting up in another week. um, Encourage you to to sign up and check that out. Um, There's information for you. Some of you have gotten in the habit. Either you're in the community group that deals with the sermon notes and goes deeper into it in your group. But many of you have taken those, even though you're not in those groups, you're in different groups to do different topics, but you've been doing it for personal study and going deeper with the message. So that's all there for you. I want you to get that. Uh, oh, yeah. And I have an image of it up here. There you go. If you haven't found it yet, that's what it looks like. OK. But we're going to show something different for you now today. Many of you don't like my clips, but this is not a clip. This is a short film visual of God's heart. For you and for me. It, it's foreign. It's in subtitles. Get your glasses on if you need to. But to me, it adds some of the drama. I want you to stick with it. I would not choose to do this if it didn't have a powerful thing. My message today is a hybrid of this movie and wrapping it up with God's word for us today. So let's watch most and see the heart of a father for his kids. 
and for others.
ਅਤੇ ਜੋ ਪ੍ਰਭੂ hodinu pojede vlaky. Za tři cenu to zase přijdu a půjdeme nahoru a budeme pouštěčku pátka, jo? Položíme most. No, mostem položíme most, jo? Jo! 30 minut sedět. Jo, jasně. Už ho vidím, že půjš samová. Jo? Ahoj.
Ani na mostě je rozmázení. Seznáme horkou čokoládu. Určitě něco přijde. Jasně. Nové město. Nová práce. Noví lidi.
course, I can't help but sit there and think about that being my griffin and having to make a choice like that over my son or a number of people. And this father's heart that in remembering and trying to think of something good that could come out of such a tragic loss. Remembering having seen the faces of everyone on the train and looking for something good that his son's life was lost to save. God did this for us, folks. God chose to sacrifice His Son so that you and I can live on. And and in our world, just like in that train, many of them had no clue the sacrifice that was paid for them to go on past the bridge and, and have a chance at life, putting on makeup, partying in the back cab. But one gal that was about to shoot up saw this man that she had seen with his son. I don't know what all she gathered, but she saw anguish. She saw life. She saw things worth living for. She And, and she saw a value in, in life. And this man finding, looking for what is good, seeing her with this new life, clean, fresh, her own child, moving on in life, passing on life, and seeing this redemption story that brought the sacrifice of his son, something good that he saw. God did that for us, and he did that for the people in your world. This is why last week when we were talking through our discipleship series, if you're a guest with us today or you haven't been with us, just I want to remind our folks that this is why we have these bookmarks that we gave to you last week to write down the names of five people on your train, in your train car. You're all in different train cars of this world, interacting with different people. And it only takes one who looks out the window and sees what's been done for you <laughs> to let them know and be praying. And I want to remind you to be praying for others. But for us here today, we want to get back into... Who are you? And God wants to tell each one of you that to Him, you were a life, you are a life worth saving. Because it's exactly what He did in the Passion story and in Christ. Here's a quick scriptural synopsis of why this situation came to be. In the movie, it was a human error. He was expecting the train later. He went and checked some other things in another room. It created a circumstance where his son was trying to help. And, and fell in. And then he had to make the choice as a surprise clash of his life. But we're going to see that, that those things are a little different from the story God had for you and me in how he tells us how much even more worth it we are to him. But here's the quick synopsis for us in your notes. We all came from a, the unavoidably common starting point. We cannot avoid the same starting point that all of mankind has had since the Adam and Eve story of the garden. Since the very first created humans chose a selfish path, putting them on a, on a course of selfishness, birthing the sinful, self-directed nature in mankind. In Genesis, Scriptures tell us about the creation and everything was good and God walked with them, but there was this thing called the fall and then a flood and then bloodshed. Now, I know there was bloodshed before the flood, Cain and Abel. But God had created mankind. He walked with them. And man chose to be his own God and do his own thing and disobey God. And, and that was called the fall. And there was a serpent, uh, Satan, coming to lie to them about God's command and convincing them that they could be their own God if they took of this tree. And they did. And, of course, shortly thereafter, the self-centered nature of man became jealousy and brother killed his own brother, shedding his blood. And man was inclined in their heart to be evil all the time. And, and in Genesis, God, God and evil cannot coexist. And man, and man was so inclined and unsalvageable as those individuals that God brought a flood, but He called one family He saw redeemable out of that in the ark. And Noah and his family, when they came out of the ark, then God instituted bloodshed to sustain life. 
For in the creation, God said, every seed bearing plant you have for food. And the animals were not afraid of mankind. They came up and came by Adam almost maybe in procession as he named all of them. There was no fear. And, and, and man was designed to eat the way Michelle eats. God created vegan world. Hey, well, he did. He said every seed bearing plant, fruits, vegetables, all these things that are replenished in the garden without weeds. Guy said, amen. <laughs> without work or toil, it was all provided. And, and it was. But after the flood, when God said, I'm not going to destroy mankind like this again, but here's the covenant. There's going to be bloodshed. And well, it wasn't the covenant with Noah, but at this point it was you will now eat animals, but you're not supposed to eat them without their with their blood in them. You must drain the blood. You must pour the blood out. You must. It's going to be a mess for you to eat and bloodshed. Do not eat meat with its blood still in it. So kill death, bloodshed and live as a part of life. And we're all rooted out of this point. And then in Exodus, it moved forward to the tabernacle as they're traveling and they're, they're wandering and they needed a place of worship and a place for the ark and, and, and a, a place to say that's where God dwells among his people. So it was a tabernacle of, of movable, packable, tent type things. And, and yet to enter in, no matter where it was, when it was set up to enter in, you must come in by the blood of bulls and lambs and goats and doves and and so bloodshed, not only a part of sustaining the physical life of mankind, but now a part of entering into the presence of God to worship Him. And then as Israel got established again in their homeland, the Old Covenant became the temple. No longer a tent that was movable, but glorious, beautiful temples. But bloodshed. You still must bring the sacrifice. You must bring your most perfect uh, lamb from your herds and they were selling them there at the temples. They could switch. They could say, well, that one's not good enough here. Take this one and we'll take that one. And, and, and that's where some of the money changing and dishonesty started happening in the religious world, which happens today <laughs> in many religious circles. And if you've been stung by that, I'm sorry. But bloodshed became a part of worship. This thing right here that we call a communion table would probably be where we would have to lay animals and sacrifice them and bleed out the blood and cut them into pieces and take, take branches and dip it in the blood and sprinkle it all over here and all around. And that would be an animal for every household in here. Can you imagine how much blood? Happy Easter, everybody. <laughs> Isn't this joyful Easter? Hang on, because there's good news coming. But our world does not understand the good news because they don't want to hear the bad news. <laughs> and, and this is the reality of our common, unavoidably common starting point. That we are fallen in the flesh and we have a sinful nature that looks out for ourselves first. Even in sometimes putting God and religion in the equation is one of our ways of packing our life to feel good about it and feel like we're okay. But God paid a price for something greater than that. And he has every right to call us to something greater than that. This is our unavoidably common start. And you know what, boy, was God ever ticked? Was God ever ticked? Oh, he was upset with mankind. But in Genesis, he, he said this to the serpent. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly. You will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. Now it gets prophetic. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Of course, the earthly woman had many more offspring. Women had many more offspring. But he's referring to an individual that of the offspring of woman, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And so your next blanks are we're going to look at the brutally painful strike. God prophesied this, telling the serpent, Satan, you will strike his heel. In Isaiah 52:14, it tells us that referring to the Messiah, the one who would come to offer forgiveness of sins and redemption of God's people, says his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond any human likeness. This Savior 
He's going to be beaten so badly you can't even tell he's a man. And why? Because Isaiah later in 53 says he was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. The punishment that brought me peace was upon him. And by his wounds, I am healed. We, you. God took the strike of sin and Satan's lies upon himself because you are a life worth saving. In Matthew and Mark and Luke, and we see Jesus fulfill these and so many. There's really thousands of prophecies that Jesus fulfills from Scripture. People that say the Scriptures are unreliable are ignoring the, the reality and mountain of evidence of history and even ongoing history that we're seeing right now. There has been no other faith in history that has had anything close to these things, these types of things coming true. And in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as Jesus was dying on the cross, it says the sky grew dark. Darkness came over the whole land for three hours from the sixth to the ninth hour. And you know what that was? That was a father watching his son die. So that those of us on the train could have a chance. That was that father's heart carrying his son, Ladio. Ladio. That was God watching his holy son who had done nothing wrong. And he's going, Jesus. Mary was sitting at the foot of the cross saying the same thing as the earthly mother. <laughs> watching her earthly son die and God was up in heaven and heavens turned dark to show his heart. Oh, my son. My son. It was a brutally painful strike. But in that, from this prophecy of Genesis was the decisively crushing blow. Not only did it say he will strike, you will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. And the decisively crushing blow Jesus dealt to God is, I mean, to Satan is Easter. Is the resurrection that we celebrate today. Think we're talking about a father and a son. And some of you have heard this before, but a father and a son are driving in their car and the son is deathly allergic to bees. And as they're driving with the windows open on a nice day, a bee blows into the, to the car and it's buzzing around and it's buzzing around the son's head and, and the, and the dad pulls over and tries to stop and, but they can't get it out and it's buzzing around his son. And, and, and the dad reaches up and, and the bee's on the windshield and he goes like that and puts his hand up on it and, and just holds it. And he winces. And he, and he pulls back and the bee buzzes around somewhere. He didn't smash it. He didn't get it dead. He didn't. And, and the son is like, oh, dad, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. And the son, then the dad says, son, don't worry. See that right there? That's its stinger. The bee's buzzing around, but he can't hurt you anymore. And that's the resurrection. Satan still has room to play in this world. He still has things to try to lie to us about. He has all kinds of things he's trying to do to deceive us and tell us that, that God's false or he's not worth everything, giving him or everything, that God is, is something different than he is. Satan has all kinds of buzzing around like crazy folks. But Jesus took out his stinger and he can't hurt you as a child of God anymore. And that's what the resurrection was, is he took the cross, he took the spikes and says, this is the penalty. And I am overcoming it through resurrection so that death can no longer harm you. In fact, it's the greatest graduation you and I will ever experience. Death becomes the greatest victory and heaven rejoices when one who knows the Lord comes home. So Satan's power has been taken from him, but... He's buzzing around. Any of you hear his buzz? Has he been buzzing around and making you react in fear? Duck when you don't need to. Do things that maybe you ought, ought not do. But fear makes you think that's the only answer. Romans says this, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with Him like this in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. He took the sting. He took away the power of death. And, and then if we associate with Him and die to ourselves, and that's what baptism symbolizes, a dying to ourselves and that self-ownership and living for God, then we, associating with Him in His death, will be associated with Him in His resurrection and have a new life. Like that gal on the train. She could have died in the midst of getting ready to shoot up. But because of the sacrifice of the Son, she had opportunity to do something different with her life. And I don't know where you are today, but God sees you in whatever train car you're in with whatever your addiction is, with whatever your struggle is. And He wants to tell you, you're worth more. You are worth my Son. Take advantage of this new opportunity that I have given you. Another, another quick illustration. I know the time. I hope that you were ready for Easter to be a good, solid time together. We want to have communion. But we've got we to gotta wrap this up completely. And many of you, none of you would remember the time of the plague, but many of you have heard of plagues. And, and I hear it was, I don't know if I got the facts right, and if this illustration is even totally, I think it's a true illustration that in order to find a cure, um, they actually got ten strong horses. And they got a bucket of solution that, that was just filled with the plague, bacteria, virus, whatever. It was in this solution. And they, they swabbed the mouths and noses of these ten horses, horses to intentionally give them the plague. And, of course, these strong horses started getting weaker and weaker and starting to lay down more. And, and one by one, these big, strong horses had turned down to nothing and were dying. And there was one horse left. And he was weak. And he was laying down. He could barely get up, barely breathing. But they were watching him. And he was lasting longer than the others. And, and one day, his breathing was a little stronger than it was the day before. That hadn't happened with the others. And then the next day he was he was even stronger and, and eventually started standing again and 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 this this horse overcame it took it and and it and it fought off that virus and and overcame and instead of taking this horse around and parading it around saying this horse overcame five bucks you can come see it five bucks you can come see it come on circus sideshow they took a sledgehammer cracked him in the skull and drained his blood. That poor horse is like, thanks a lot, man. Give me the plague. I almost die. I make it. And then you hit me in the head with a sledgehammer. But they drain the blood of an overcomer to create this, the antivenom, the, uh, the, the serum, the, what do they call it, antidote? The antidote that turned into a vaccine and a healing agent for all who were sick. And it took the blood of Jesus, the only overcomer of Satan, his lies, and his ultimate tool, death. This is why we come as Christians and we talk about drinking his blood. Symbolically. Eating his broken body for us. Because in believing and receiving that work that I would be dead in my plague without him. Thank God he is the overcomer. Thank God he, he took this death and shed his blood for me. And it is the antidote for me in my battle with Sin and to have the life He created for me in the first place. That He came to give us life and give it to us to the fullest. And even more amazing for us today is that it wasn't this quick reaction on His part. It wasn't just as soon as we fell, God said, oh no, look what they did. We better come up with a plan. I mean, I, you know, I made them to be righteous and in relationship with me. And look what they did. They chose their own way. What, what am I going to do? What, you know, God is never surprised by anything. And in 1 Peter, listen to this. Even though that would be loving. Even though God would say, oh man, they're, they're going on their own way. They're going to hurt themselves. Look at that. There's murder already. This is what they're doing to themselves. It would be loving for him to say, oh, this is how we're going to save them. But this tells us it wasn't just when we fell. You know it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. 
but with the precious blood of Christ. A lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world. But was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Jesus was the plan before the plan was needed. God wanted a relationship with those of us who would choose him. And he knew. And I got to hope I'm a I'm, I'm relatively selfless guy. But if I had to sit here and look at my griffin and say, now, if I create this thing called people, griffin's going to have to die for them. I know. I just won't create them. But God said, no, there's something worth. There's something worth it. And it takes all this to be the proof in the pudding and show my love and the love that I want from them. So God planned it and designed it. And folks, God has always had the right to judge people because he's holy. We don't understand what that is. But in the virtue of him being totally, purely, honestly, 100% holy with no selfishness, no sin in his body, in his spiritual body, in his being, he had every right to judge anyone who's not. And that's all of us. Scripture said not one of us is righteous, but Christ. So he has had every right to judge us. But the cross made it personal. That man in that movie, in that illustration, do you think he doesn't have a right to ache and yearn for the people on that train to not throw their life away in drugs and, and false relationships? To, to live, take that life, you know, if he could see all those people on that train and how they were living, would he say, oh, my son's life was worth this? See, he's had every right to judge us, and he always has. He always will. And we need to quit trying to buck against that. But he's also made it very personal, saying, I love you, and I'm giving you everything that you could need to avoid, and I can call you from sin. He definitely has the right to call us away from sin and tell, don't toy with it. Don't mess with it. Get away from it. Get away from the sin that so easily entangles and run the race. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. I died for this opportunity that you have. Don't throw it away because there's an eternity that I want to have you with me forever, free of all that stuff. Oh, you are a life worth saving. Grace is more than tolerance. It is His love poured out. He pulled the lever on His own Son. So you could be here to hear this message today. And you can receive that love from Him today. I want the worship team to come. We're going we're to have an altar response and then after that we'll go into our communion time. You can receive that love today. The good old song we sang, and it has some new parts to it, and we sang it last week. Just as I am, without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. Oh God, I come. I come. I'm coming broken to be mended. Sick to be healed. Just as I am, God, I come. And during this song, you need to receive that grace today. It's Easter. God doesn't want a religion from you that visits Him every Easter and Christmas and thinks that's faithfulness. That's a lie of the enemy. God gave His Son so He could be your friend every day and walk with you and build you up in fellowship in the context of His body on a regular basis. Today God is saying, I love you. And you're worth me pulling the lever on my own son. So I invite you. Don't let Satan lie to you and make you afraid of what anybody thinks because God knows where you are. He sees you through the window of your train car and He's saying, oh, come on. Come to me just as you are. 
And we'll start a beautiful journey together. So during this song, Heavenly Father, while we sing this song, let each person know that they're not too filthy to come to You. They're not too uh, anything to come to You. I pray in the name of Jesus, You bind the enemy and release someone, Father, from the, to the ability to, to receive Your grace and Your love. That, that, that You can look at their life and say, oh, there's something good out of my son's death and resurrection. There's something good. And for each one to come forward, for each one to give their heart to you, you throw your arms up and go, yes, that's what it was for. So don't let Satan lie to you. Come and make God's heart happy to see you come and choose his life today. All you got to do is come and ask him to forgive your sins. And he will he is faithful and just and will forgive you your sins and cleanse you from your unrighteousness. Heavenly Father. Speak to each one as we sing. Thank you, Lord, for receiving us just as we are. Come, be received. I'm welcome. 